Hello and welcome to All Indians Matter. I am Ashraf Engineer. That there is chronic hunger in India is hardly a secret. We fed poorly on the global hunger index and especially so after the COVID-19 pandemic. India's latest ranking on the index was 101 among 116 countries indicating that the level of hunger is serious. Hunger is a multifaceted crisis and rural hunger has received a lot of attention, justifiably so, for a long time even if no government has come up with a solution for it. Today I want to discuss hunger in urban India. Large sections of our urban population face serious food insecurity and there is need for urgent action on this front. We've had three decades of economic growth and the urban economy is generally thought to have done better than the rural one. But this has not necessarily meant a better life for all urban residents. Growing unemployment and rising food prices all add to urban food insecurity. All Indians Matter we have on the show Vikas Parchanda, CEO of Akshay Chaitanya, an initiative in Mumbai that aims to eradicate hunger in a sustainable and scalable manner. A program of the HKM Charitable Foundation, it comprises three key initiatives. Swasthya Ahar, a government hospital feeding initiative providing free, unlimited lunch to patients' families and helping them save for medication. Poshtik Ahar, a meals on wheels initiative aimed at children in slums and Bal Shiksha Ahar, a government school breakfast initiative that aids better learning. Vikas was born in a business family and studied engineering and then business administration before working with startups and then MNCs in FMCG and healthcare. After 17 years, he called time on corporate life, hoping to eradicate hunger in Mumbai. In 2015, he got in touch with ISKCON Bangalore devotees and in 2019, they entrusted him with the mandate of making Mumbai hunger free. Welcome Vikas. Hey, thank you Ashraf. Thank you so very much for a kind introduction to our organization for what we do and myself. Glad to be here. Vikas, let's start with the COVID-19 pandemic. What did you observe when it comes to urban hunger? I read a study by Hunger Watch that said that the consumption of grains and pulses was at least 12% lower for urban respondents. Sure. So, Ashraf, uh, when COVID struck us, right, so we all knew that it's a health crisis that is upon us. But we eventually realized in the developing part of the world it was actually two crises at the same time. One, obviously, there was a crisis of health that we were all fighting together. But eventually, it turned out to be a crisis of hunger too. And in the urban parts, this divide and this problem was like staring at us. It was clearly, clearly visible in our faces. We saw millions of people fleeing the city life uh, and were going back to the rural part of the country. Because at that point in time, rightly so, food security was more important to them than anything else, right? That is when actually the problem that urban India faces with regards to lack of public distribution system came to the forefront. So that was clearly visible to all of us. But the silver lining in all of this, Ashraf, is that we went through a lot of damage, that hunger and poverty that was pushed on vast sections of people because of COVID that it created. All of that is because now COVID is subsiding and hence much of that damage that was caused to us is, is reversible. Because many organizations and NGOs swung into action, but obviously it wasn't enough. I think the numbers were too large. What went through your mind as you observed this? So let me give you a small perspective here. 
the size of the problem that we were staring at was humongous. There's a last census survey in 2001, and that's the only recent most census survey that we have, though there has been a gap of 20 years now. In the last census survey in 2001, we had 145 million migrants in the urban India. And we all know that post-liberalization, how the urbanization of our economy happened. It would have only picked up pace if it was 145 million in 2001. One can imagine that the number could at least be the double of that right now. When you're looking at 300 million migrant population in the urban part of the country, and all of them are wanting to sort of flee away, right, from the cities because they're not really being, they're not feeling food secure. This was not a problem for only NGOs to solve for. No NGO or no group of NGOs could have solved a problem of this magnitude. And hence it required a concerted effort of NGOs and government to solve this problem, right? And that is what we were seeing panning it out in front of us. And let me tell you, that there were a couple of cities that we were concentrated on uh, as an organization, like for example, in Hyderabad and in rest of Telangana, we were running a program in collaboration with the state government there. It's called Annapurna Kiosks, right? So we have five centralized kitchens in Telangana. We made those kitchens run 24 by 7 during the period of lockdown. And we were able to cater to 2 lakh beneficiaries every single day, right? Now, this was happening in collaboration with government because even as an NGO, we couldn't have afforded that much of fund to feed that many number of people, right? And likewise, wherever in the country, there were NGOs who had kitchens of this size to cater to the problem. They combined efforts with the government to cater to the problem at hand. But clearly, that wasn't enough. And we, we saw the problem that we saw. Yeah, and I think uh, you're bang on when you say that the migrant population would have at least doubled in urban areas. The urban economy actually has been growing for three decades now. It's been 31 years since the big bank economic reforms of 91. But there is chronic hunger alongside too. What went wrong? Where is the imbalance that leads to some being exceptionally prosperous while some have to go hungry every day or every other day? Sure. So I guess if we look at this, question of yours, Ashraf, in two parts. I think I would be able to do justice to it then. See, one, urbanization is inevitable. And it has happened at a certain pace until now. And trust you me on this, and there are enough and more reports speaking about it. The pace of urbanization is only going to increase from here on. Right? Let me give you some numbers here. Currently, we have one in four households which are part of the middle class economy for our country. This one in four will become one in two by just 2030, which is about eight years from now. This is a report from World Economic Forum. And the good part is, it is projected that we will pull out 25 million households from poverty by 2030, which means that we will only have approximately 5 million households below the poverty line by 2030. So clearly, one thing for us to really feel good about is that this projected economic growth or urbanization seems to be inclusive or is more inclusive as compared to the development that has happened, say, in in many of the even developed countries where wealth generally is concentrated with just 10% of the people, right? So that's the good part of the thing. The other aspect is 
that as the urbanization happens, Ashraf, you will see that the aspirations of a rural India are fast converging with the aspirations of an urban India. Mind you, this growth that we are seeing in the country is actually driven by adoption of technology, adoption of digital technology, adoption of internet, right? And you wouldn't believe that there is a statistics, again, in the World Economic Forum report, which says that every three seconds, there is a new person who's going online, right? Going at that pace, we will have 1 billion population accessing internet. And when there is access of internet, there is, you don't, all of a sudden, you are not really having any information gap, right? And hence, the aspirations of rural India will be same as that of aspirations of urban India. And as a result, what will happen, that there will be huge amount of migration that will happen. And it is projected that we will have six more mega cities with each having population more than 10 million right and new delhi will become the most populous city in the world crossing shanghai right that is the kind of change that we will see not in a very distant future in just your and my lifetime in eight years from now right now when all of this is happening what has gone wrong so far we can't really afford to have it going wrong in the future that we've not really had any concrete policy around the migrant population do we currently have any food security policy for the migrant workers? No. Do we have any urban housing policy for the migrant workers? No. Right? And these will pull us down. These actually look to be the challenges in the way of where we want to be as a country. I think that's a tremendous insight because tell me one thing, when you come across hunger, I'm talking in the urban context, how does it manifest itself? Anemia, low birth weight of infants, stunting, well, how does it manifest itself in your experience? So in this context, it is very pertinent that we look at how hunger is sort of looked at by Global Hunger Index, right? I think they cover the aspect of hunger very comprehensively. See, the first aspect of it is undernourishment, where we say that for somebody who's not getting even 800 calories in a day means that he's not really getting enough food. Okay, that is undernourishment. And obviously, as a result of which, what happens is the second aspect of the problem comes into the fray, which is wasting. Now, which is obviously generally seen in the children population. Wasting, which, which means basically somebody has low weight to for their age. And there is a problem of stunting, which means somebody has lesser height for their weight. Right. And then all of these three actually culminate into problem, which is called child mortality. Right? That how many children basically lose their life for, for they are under five years of their age, right? So this is how a problem of hunger is really looked at in the poorer section of the society. But hunger is just not limited to all these four problems that I just mentioned, right? Hunger has two more aspects other than undernourishment, which leads to stunting, wasting, and child mortality. The other two aspects are undernutrition and malnutrition. Now, undernutrition is that I do not really get enough calories and proteins and micronutrients. And malnutrition is basically where somebody is not really getting enough micronutrients. And now that could be the problem because of undernourishment or even overnourishment. That may even happen in your or my case, right? I am eating pizzas, I am eating burgers, 
but I'm not really eating food that gives me enough micronutrients. And hence, malnutrition is a problem, can be there in both richer and poorer sections of the society, while undernourishment, which is basically defined based as the calorie levels that one should consume in a day, is generally there in the poorer sections of the society. And uh, Vikas, are women worst affected? Uh, I would imagine, but if yes, could you explain why? So, Ashraf, uh, uh, here, I guess we only have two things to really look at. See, one, as a society per se, we can't really run away from the fact that we've always had gender bias. In our families, let's accept it rather than running away from this reality that many sections of society get more happier having a male child than a female child. And when this thinking percolates to the poorer section of the society, it also manifests in how they conduct with a male child and a female child. If there is limited amount of food in the home, a male child is fed to its contentment before they feed enough to the female child, right? That's one. Second, when we are feeding in the municipal schools in Mumbai, okay, this fact is quite visible to our eyes as well, that the number of girl children to number of male children in the municipal schools is far lesser. Right? I don't really want to be commenting on the numbers because we may have an understanding of just 50 schools that we are feeding, but it could be different across 750 schools in Mumbai. But it is visibly lower, right? which means obviously a male child is preferred over girl child when it comes to giving them education. right? So this is, this is gender bias per se. And part of it, Ashraf, is also coming from how culturally we are shaped up. right? For example, I mean, it is expected that a sister would sacrifice for the brother, a mother would sacrifice for their children and for her husband, right? And hence, she would tend to ensure that the male fraternity is well-fed because they generally go out and earn for, you, for the family. And hence, as a result, yes, we've had poorer health for women in general in our society. But as a society, one thing that we fail to understand that a malnourished woman is actually very, 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 very damaging for us as a society going forward because a malnourished woman cannot really be expected to give birth to a very healthy child, right? And hence, as a result, we as a society gets get pulled back, right? So this is where the consciousness of the society should change, saying that we have to prioritize our woman before, before anybody else. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. And I, I just wanted to add, and maybe you can comment on it, because is that other than hunger, again, I'm talking in the urban sense, it's not just the lack of access to food or its nutritional quality, but it's also exacerbated by inadequate sanitation facilities, insufficient housing, which you already touched upon, and no access to clean drinking water, isn't it? No, very true. So, in fact, we're seeing this phenomena pan out in front of us when we are trying to cater to the problem of urban hunger in a city like Mumbai. I'll tell you how. So there is no urban housing policy for the migrants in Mumbai, right? Or for that matter, in any other city of the country, right? As a result, what happens is the sanitation and the hygiene where these guys live is obviously not to the required standard. In fact, it's very, very poor. As a result, what happens is now they were grappling with the problem of hunger and they have poorer sanitation and hygiene around them. As a result, their areas become the breeding ground for diseases. Now, when I'm diseased, 
and I'm in the hospital, I need better nutrition to come out of it. And this is when they get into a vicious trap because neither is improving and hence their health deteriorates, right? And this section gets pulled back into poverty again. So this problem only gets exaggerated in the face of lack of sanitation and the right hygiene standards for where they live. Yeah. And what can governments do to improve the situation? When you say the situation, you're saying situation with regards to sanitation, hygiene or situation with regards to hunger? Overall, because, uh, you know, there's hunger, but it's not a unidimensional thing. It's uh, impacted by lack of sanitation, impacted by lack of hygiene, impacted by inadequate housing, all of which you've touched upon. Holistically speaking, what can governments do? So obviously the problem is not small, right? And hence the measures that it may call from the government got to be very, very comprehensive. And with my limited uh, understanding of the subject, I don't know if I can list out everything that the government needs to do. But three or four things that come to my mind, Ashraf. One, obviously, there is a need to radicalize the public distribution system. When I say radicalize public distribution system, clearly all who need to be catered to by public distribution system are currently not really covered. So there is a number there as well. Currently, public distribution system caters to about 800 million of our population. And there are enough and more studies that say that this population who needs to be catered to has already reached 1,000 million, right? About 100 crores, right? And so there's a clear gap of about these 20 crore people who need to be catered to by way of our public distribution system. Now, when I say radicalized public distribution system, I don't know, I stay in Chandivali in closer to Pawai, okay? And there were people fleeing from this part of the area also uh, during COVID. I don't really see any public distribution shop here in this area, right? Are there not slums in this area? There are enough and more slums in this area, right? For that matter, there are slums in, in the entire Mumbai for wherever you go, right? So clearly the public distribution system with regards to its reach in the urban areas is not really enough as of now, right? That needs to be augmented. Third, there are enough and more studies saying that about 40% of what we produce as a nation is lost in the transportation, which means from what starts from the farm to when it reaches the retail shop, 40% is lost in the journey. And this obviously comes from all that we deal with in terms of perishable goods, etc. So augmenting public distribution system would also mean augmenting the required whole storage system and transportation, etc. Right. So this is about working on the distribution system. The other aspect that government needs to definitely needs to focus on urgently is that we need to create enough and more awareness on what nutrition means. Nutrition, as I said, is not only avoiding undernourishment, but is also ensuring that you are covered with regards to the protein content, the micronutrients, right? Now, that awareness is very, very low in our country today. And as we are fast developing, we are changing our eating habits too. So this is not a problem only in the poorer section, but it is a problem even in the richer section of the societies, right? So awareness is one area. Now, here is where government can actually ask our NGOs like us to pitch in. We can be their partners to create awareness. We can be the government partners 
to have and run centralized kitchens that would form the backbone of the urban India that is fast developing for the next two, three, four decades, right? So as to cater to one lack of nutrition in any pockets, like for example, students in schools, municipal schools, children who don't go to schools in slums, right? People who land up in our public hospitals, right? They come from poorer sections of the society. They come from the rural areas. Now they are people who need to be catered to, right? So this is where even NGOs can collaborate with government. And third aspect, uh, Ashraf, that government needs to very, very urgently focus, which we as a developing nation cannot really afford, is wastage on the plate. Okay. What we discussed as part of public distribution system was farm to retail wastage. Then there is a wastage which is retail to consumer. There is humongous amount of wastage that's happening on the plate today. And both these issues of lack of nutrition and wastage can actually be solved through running awareness campaigns. And this got to be part of how we want to grow as a country. I'm so glad because you mentioned uh, wastage from farm to shop and also about the PDS system. In fact, I was going to ask you, can the PDS be a tool in battling urban hunger? And if yes, what needs to change so that the most needy are covered? I'm asking this also because you touched upon this. Food grain production is estimated at a record 315.7 million tons in 2021-22. But we know that it is not reaching the poorest of the poor. No, true. So you said it. See, and there's a very simple math and a commonsensical math. Now, for all that I mentioned, uh, would be very, very clear for how I'm explaining things right now. As you said, we are producing about 320 million tons, Ashraf. And we are a country of 1300 million people, 130 crore, right? Doing a simple math, you realize that this translates to 700 gram of grains per person per day. And when cooked, this grain becomes about 1.5 kg per person per day. It's more than enough to feed it the population. It is far more than enough to feed your entire population. So currently, we are producing enough and more than enough. It is a problem of distribution system that we need to solve for. It is a problem of creating awareness so that we don't waste food on plate. Uh, it's a problem of ensuring that people are consuming right kinds of food so that they are not undernourished or or they are not suffering from malnutrition. I couldn't agree more because and but I just want to also uh, you know talk about one nuance. While the national conversation about hunger is important and it's been on for a while, it tends to focus on rural areas. Now there's nothing wrong with that and. Uh, don't get me wrong, I do think we need to focus on rural areas comprehensively. Why do you think urban hunger tends to get ignored in this whole conversation? Because that's equally part of hunger in the country, isn't it? No, definitely. In fact, for the reasons that we discussed, probably it will only become more important going forward, right? Because it will come in the way of we growing and we reaching where we want to be as a nation, right? Now, to your question for why it gets ignored, and I've been running this organization for about a year and a half now. And let me tell you, and the bitter truth is that the elite in the, or the educated in the urban part of the country do not really like the problem of, of slums, do not empathize with the problem of slums in our cities, right? I'm just conveying to you for what, what I come across as feeling 
when I talk to people, right, for solving the problem of hunger in the slums. They feel that these people are squenging on the resources of the city, right? And they're coming in the way of comfortable living for ones who can afford in the city, right? I think what is missing is a holistic view that, listen, if we want to grow our cities, there have to be people who will work as construction workers. There will have to be people who will come and clean our gutters, right? There will have to be people who will have to come to do menial jobs that you and I can't really do. Now, if we need migrants to solve for all these problems, then we need to have a policy for their food security. We need to have a policy for their housing. See, it's, it's like, uh, Ashraf, it's like a problem where a captain of a ship says that, listen, I need hundreds of people to come and clean the ship, right? So that ship is sailing smoothly in the sea. But whenever you're done with the work, I will pay you enough. Whenever you're done with the problem, you can jump into the sea. <laughs> yeah, right? it's like, you know, so, when I have some work for you, I want you around, but otherwise I don't want to see you at all. Otherwise I don't want you around, yes. Yeah, and it's so always shocked me that uh, the elites that you mentioned, and, uh, you know, they can't do without them. They can't function without the not so fortunate. They are the ones who clean our societies, guard our societies, drive our cars, clean our roads, etc. But yet they have zero empathy for them. It's just shocking sometimes. True. And also in urban part of the country, sometimes Ashra, we tend to live lives of our own. Right? We're so occupied with earning for our families that we don't really see anything that is beyond the obvious. The reason I say that is this part of hunger in urban India is also hidden from us, right? I stay in Chandivali and there is slum opposite me. How many times and how many people from my society would bother getting into a slum and seeing what the situation is? We see from far distance that there is a slum area, but we don't really know the problem of hunger that exists in that area, right? So in that sense, the problem is also hidden from us. Right, because we don't get into that problem or seeing that problem. Right, while the problem is in our face, but we just don't know and can't really appreciate that problem. Yeah, we are very happy with insulation. So, because yeah, let me ask you, let me get to the personal side just for a second before I jump back to what we're talking about. What compelled you to leave what was presumably a lucrative corporate career to jump into the social space? So, uh, Ashraf, uh, for me, the big trigger was when I actually got introduced to Iskon Bangalore. In short, basically, my journey started of understanding myself and understanding God. Okay. And as a result, what happens, and that happens to many who get introduced to spirituality in, a, in the right way, that many problems in the outside world start looking menial to you or don't really look worthy to fight for. Right. For example, in Ola, I was heading Ola Corporate, where I was responsible for ensuring that every corporate employee takes an Ola ride. Okay. In Oyo, I was heading the business and our dream was that how can we ensure that every tourist traveling out of their city gets to stay with a Oyo room. Then in Reliance Geo, when I was heading a consumer segment, the dream that I was chasing was that how can I ensure that every individual in the country is carrying a 4G mobile and is using geo network, right? All of these problems started to look not worthy for me to solve for, right? And also what happens, Ashraf, when you're on this path, 
you develop a little more compassionate view right of living beings around you and that's when probably i thought that solving the problem of hunger to ensure that there is enough food on the plate of every individual in the city was much comprehensive or much meaningful a problem for me to solve and work towards and i was fortunate uh, that i got offered by the trustees that listen why don't you really build this initiative in this city so it it sort of happened organically while i was introduced to spirituality and this opportunity came my way and it sort of coincided with how i was starting to think right so in, hence i took the plunge and tell us about akshay chaitanya's work how it came to be founded its journey so far so uh, there's an organization called hkm charitable foundation that has been in the play since 2013 so we are not really one year old or two year old that was we started about 9 years back as an organization since we are working on the problem of hunger our idea is that we solve the problem of hunger for those sections where we help them unlock larger opportunities in their lives okay so basically our philosophy is that we want food to be the means and not in an end in itself right so food should become the means of of making people to study food should become the means of ensuring better health for them and hence they resuming their normal lives and as a result we are running three programs as an organization and which you rightly mentioned at the start of the our discussion as well so one we have a program called swasthya where we basically ensure the families of the patients hospitalized in government hospitals stay healthy and safe for the medication of that patient because for this family this problem is acute and this problem can actually change their fortune right if they are able to successfully deal with this problem of illness in their family it would mean that they would have an opportunity to actually live life with dignity right and hence this becomes a critical intervention for us the second program which is bal shiksha har and which as a group uh, so there is a sister concern organization within the same group ashraf called akshay patra we are feeding 21 lakh children every single day as part of mid day meal program across the country right because we as a group believe that children are the future for us if we were to reach anywhere as a nation we need to invest in our children today on those lines we have started this program called bal shiksha har to ensure that children are stomach full when they're sitting for their classrooms and they feel excited to come to school and the third program that we are running is poshtikahar whereby we are reaching out to the vulnerable masses in the slums especially the children right in order to introduce informal education to them and uh, because could you give me a sense of the scale of the operation and also how do you manage something so complex so uh this entire expertise of running the entire operations has been organically built over the last 21 years so as i said as a group we have the expertise of running 68 centralized kitchens across the country right now it is these 68 centralized kitchens that are feeding about 23 lakh people every single day it started from kitchen 1 21 years back right so over these 21 years we've reached this number now to your second point ashraf we have ensured that while we were growing organically quality remained at the center stage because mind you we are dealing with something as tricky as food right on the plate and cooked food mind you right which can spoil faster right 
and hence quality is been at the a focus on quality is been at the center stage for us right most of our kitchens which are more than 2 year old are also iso 22000 certified right many of the restaurants uh, ashraf that you and i eat out of will not be iso 22000 certified right but here we are feeding lakhs of people from one kitchen and hence we don't want to take chances with our systems and hence we have a third party agency who comes and certifies us right and as credible organization as iso certifying us right so that way we have huge quality teams ensuring that our systems are in place because so now you've put in place all of these you've got 68 centralized kitchens 23 lakh people being fed every single day 365 days a year what's next for akshay chaitanya see akshay chaitanya as an initiative wants to solve the problem of urban hunger right the larger part of the problem that we've been solving for is to cater to the requirement of nutrition amongst the children community right and we are we are reaching out to them in the in the schools so that education is also encouraged right now akshay chaitanya is fighting a different problem we want to solve the problem of urban hunger we have done it in hyderabad we are in mumbai now and we came amidst covid here uh, it was just at the start of covid that the group realized that listen we need to we as a organization need to rise up and take bigger challenges here and hence we came to bombay right now when we are in mumbai okay and for that matter when it comes to any metro cities of ours we believe the problem is very much solvable let me give you an example this entire kitchen that we have in mumbai okay was built with 1 million dollar and it was built with the support of one single person and there is enough and more resources available in cities like mumbai and many more okay that we can actually create an ecosystem like this the need is that we need to establish ourselves as an organization which is doing credible and transparent work on the ground our idea is that we want to democratize giving in the urban india through having right products in place and if we are able to democratize giving in the urban india we will solve the problem of urban hunger so because uh, that brings me to the question i ask all my guests at the end of the show why do you do this work so ashraf the entire work that we do stems from a fundamental thinking that food is one's fundamental right he has created his creation where food is available to an ant and is also enough available to an elephant and we saw that we are producing enough as a country it's a problem of distribution it's a problem of inequity it's a man made problem and because food is a fundamental right we got to take that challenge of solving it to an extent that we can that's one second there is a fundamental belief with us that food also shapes your consciousness that we we are what we eat right or yeah so and hence as a group we believe that for us to create a happier nation we need to eradicate hunger for us to create an inclusive nation we need to have this as an initiative at the core of it vikas hunger and urban hunger as a subset of it must be tackled if we are to truly grow as a nation thank you for explaining its nuances and also for detailing solutions thank you ashraf uh, the pleasure was totally totally mine i'm glad that you took time out to discuss this issue in detail and we welcome the audience who listens to this to visit akshay chaitanya website to know more about our work 
and to give us the feedback for how can we really grow bigger and better to to solve this problem of urban hunger in mumbai and then later in many more cities of the country thank you all for listening please visit allindiansmatter.in that's a w l i n d i a n s m a w t e r i n for more columns and audio podcasts you can follow me on twitter at ashraf engineer that's a s h r a f e n g i n e r and all indians count that's a w l i n d i a n s c o u n t search for the all indians matter page on facebook on instagram the handle is all indians matter email me at editor at allindiansmatter.in catch you again soon <laughs>